Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. This is your favorite red light therapy podcast host, Dr. Mike Belkowski at the helm. Feeling pretty darn good right now. Had a fantastic meal. It was a homemade sourdough waffles topped with lily koi butter, which uh, my wife and I are very fortunate enough to get from uh, my mother-in-law over in Honolulu. Every once in a while, she'll send us some of their uh, lily koi jam and butter, which they get lily koi plants in their backyard. So what a deluxe combo it is to have, you know, some sourdough waffles, lily koi butter, and the cherry on top is huckleberries, freshly picked. My wife and I just go a couple miles from where we live, hike about half a mile, three quarters of a mile in, and there's a lot of huckleberries growing this time of the year, so pretty tough to beat. But without further ado, in this episode, we're going to talk about oral health and how it relates to your overall health and how it impacts your uh, systemic well-being. So we're going to also, once we outline all the information about oral health and really how it impacts everything from your gut to your brain and so on, we're going to dig into the photobiomodulation research as it relates to how red light therapy can help improve these various aspects of oral health and healing and thus potentially have a nice way to heal your body systemically. And then lastly, we're going to learn about an innovative way to use red light therapy that may help optimize your oral health and healing based on the research that we're going to talk about beforehand. I'm going to preface this episode by reminding everyone listening that if they want to take a deeper dive into oral health and learn from one of the best biologic dentists in the country, check out the episode where I interview Dr. Kelly Blodgett. He was my first podcast guest, and he is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to healing the mouth and the oral cavity in a holistic manner. Um, he's out of Portland, and he has people travel from all over the country, and I'm sure even outside the country, to get treated by him because of his unique holistic approach. And lastly, before we begin this episode with oral health information, I just want to make a special announcement that my red light therapy company, BioLite, is a platinum partner at the upcoming Biohacking Congress, which is in Miami this fall, the weekend October 16th and the 17th, where at that Congress, at the conference, you're going to learn from 25 of the top uh, speakers on biohacking, health optimization, and longevity. Uh, you'll be able to discover over 20 plus uh, selected health companies, ecological products, and digital health technologies at this event. And if you can't join in person, if you can't make it to Miami in October, uh, you can watch the conference via live stream. I will be one of those speakers at Biohacking Congress, and I, of course, will be speaking on how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with red light therapy. So I'm very excited for BioLite to be a platinum partner, and I'm especially excited to be able to share my knowledge to the biohacking masses by being one of the speakers at that event. So without further ado, let's talk about oral health. Most of us probably think of oral health as being kind of a part of the body that's separated from the rest. Just like you would treat your shoulder for shoulder pain, you would maybe just treat your oral health needs in your mouth. 
and not really think about treating your heart or treating metabolically or hormonally through your mouth. But that's what we're about to talk about. So the oral health or the oral cavity is extremely important when it comes to healing yourself at the foundational level. And if you're trying to tackle the root cause, a lot of it does actually get traced back to your oral health. So let's begin. The oral cavity actually has the second largest and most diverse microbiota after the gut. It harbors over 700 species of bacteria. And really, the promotion of health or the progression towards disease is critically influenced by the microbiota, both in the gut and the mouth. The microbiota nurtures numerous microorganisms, which include bacteria, fungi, viruses, and protozoa. The mouth, with its uh, various niches, is an exceptionally complex habitat where microbes can colonize the hard surfaces of the teeth and the soft tissues of the oral mucosa. In addition to being the initiation point of digestion, the oral microbiome is crucial in maintaining oral as well as systemic health, which we'll soon learn about. And these microbial communities present in the human body play a crucial role physiologically, metabolically, and uh, with immunological functions, which include digestion of food nutrition, generation of energy, differentiation and maturation of the host mucosa and its immune system, it controls fat storage and metabolic regulation, processes and detoxifies the environmental chemicals that you come in contact with, and a barrier function of skin and mucosa, its maintenance of the immune system, and the balance between pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory processes, and it promotes microorganisms and prevention of invasion of growth and disease. That was a laundry list of things that the microbial communities play a role in. And just with that list alone, it's clear that there's an expansive, impactful manner in which our, both the gut and oral microbial communities play a massive role. And really, the oral microbiome is crucial to health as it can cause both oral and systemic diseases. You're going to hear that over and over again. But we need to remember that uh, your oral cavity doesn't just influence your oral health. It influences your systemic health and can control and mitigate and prevent systemic diseases. The oral microbiome rests within biofilms throughout the oral cavity and forms an ecosystem that maintains health in a state of equilibrium or homeostasis. However, certain imbalances in this state of equilibrium allow pathogens to manifest and cause disease. Disruption of the oral microbiome leads to dysbiosis. And that's important. You'll hear that again and again as we talk about oral health and its impact on other systems is that this disruption of the oral microbiome leads to dysbiosis. And dysbiosis is an imbalance in the microbial community that is associated with disease. So just like we know, when we don't have a diverse balance of a microbial community in our gut, we have gut issues whether it's inflammatory bowel disease or leaky gut and whatnot. By the same token, our oral cavity needs to have a balanced, diverse microbial community. Um, if it's not, if you have an imbalance or the preponderance of the, the bacteria in your microbiome is the quote-unquote bad ones or quote-unquote negative ones, that's where you're going to run into disease. So we do not want dysbiosis. We want the microbiome, the oral microbiome, to have a nice balance of that 
microbial community. With all that being said, we're going to go through a list of how the oral biome diversity impacts a multitude of health systems. And so we're going to start with how it impacts the gut and overall health. The first one is inflammatory bowel disease. IBD includes multiple diseases. Most commonly, it's understood as inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis. And these diseases all have one major factor in common. That's chronic persistent inflammation, which should be no surprise because as we know, darn near everything, all diseases and and cancers are somehow related to rampant inflammation. And there are many interactions that may lead to IBD, such as genetics, epigenetics, immune responses, and like we just talked about, bacterial imbalances. However, one such factor that's gained more attention in recent years is the connection between IBD and oral disease. Patients with IBD frequently struggle with oral and dental symptoms like dry mouth, mouth ulcers, and inflammation of the lips and mouth. While the research is somewhat limited on the oral microbiome quality and diversity in patients with IBD, you know, here's what we do know. One, those with IBD have higher amounts of dominant, quote-unquote, bad pathogenic oral bacterial species just like we talked about, dysbiotic or dysbiosis. Number two, inflammatory responses in IBD are associated with dysbiosis of the oral microbiome. No surprise there. Number three, some strains of Klebsiella bacteria in the mouth instigate the production of inflammatory Th1 cells when they colonize within the gut. And these antibiotic-resistant bacterial strains tend to colonize only in a gut that is already dysbiotic. And that's an important uh, fact or a note, is that these Klebsiella bacteria are only going to colonize in the gut that is already dysbiotic. So if you keep your gut healthy, you're going to keep yourself away from these Klebsiella bacterial strains, which will reduce your chances of getting this high rampant inflammation. And Klebsiella can elicit a severe gut inflammation in the context of a genetically susceptible host. And you'll hear this throughout this episode, is that there's a lot of interplay between your oral health and gut health. And because of that, which we'll get into, I'm already kind of jumping ahead, because there's that gut-brain access, there's going to be some interplay between your oral health and your brain because of both of their connections to the gut. But let's carry on and talk about how oral health impacts the cirrhosis of the liver. And so liver diseases, over time, often lead to cirrhosis, which is a scarring of the liver. And those with liver cirrhosis have a specifically dysbiotic gut microbiome. Of the problematic bacterial species in liver cirrhosis, about 54% originate in the mouth. Think about that. Those associated with bacterial species in liver cirrhosis, over half originate in the mouth. And so the biomarkers used to recognize these imbalances are very similar to those in patients with both diabetes and IBD. Let's move on to gut-related cancers. So both advanced gum disease and tooth loss, which are caused by oral pathogens, increase the risk of gastrointestinal, pancreatic, and liver cancer. And this seems to happen for a couple of reasons. One, 
oral bacteria can cause systemic inflammation when they make their way to the bloodstream and or digestive system. Second, there is some evidence that they may activate carcinogens present in the mouth after smoking or drinking alcohol. So in the case of pancreatic cancer, researchers have discovered that two types of bacteria drive the risk higher, while there's another bacteria in the mouth that actually decreases your risk of this type of cancer. This fact alone, this kind of begins to reveal how the oral microbiome plays part in not only the disease progression, but the prevention and health as well. So keep that in mind as we talk about all these ways that oral health impacts the health for negative health consequences, but keep in mind, optimizing your oral hygiene, optimizing your oral cavity health can potentially mitigate and or reverse some of these conditions. So let's move on to H. pylori. The Helicobacter pylori bacteria can infect the stomach and cause peptic ulcers. And so this H. pylori infection is incredibly common as this bacteria is present in over half the world's population. So billions and billions of people are dealing with H. pylori infection. However, it's not just the stomach where this bacteria can live. Even after wiping out H. pylori with antibiotics, it's common to get reinfected. And how is that possible? Well, H. pylori is incredibly common within the mouth, particularly in people who have been diagnosed with H. pylori infection within the gut. So here's another instance where having troubles in your gut can also negatively impact your oral health. And if your oral health is negatively impacted or it is not in balance, then it can lead to a host of other issues. If you struggle with recurrent H. pylori infection, it's possible that your mouth can be the source. So whether the bacteria is making uh, its way into the gut via teeth cleanings and bacteremia or quote-unquote leaky mouth, it's important to address the infection from all sides to really get rid of it, so both the gut and the mouth. And as you just heard, yes, not only is there a leaky gut, but there's a leaky mouth. And there's also a leaky brain. So again, all three of these components that have a lot of interplay, oral cavity, gut, and brain, they can get quote-unquote leaky, which is not a good thing. That typically leads to some sort of disease and negative health ramification. So let's move on to the immune system. This is a big one. As 70% or more of your immune system is located in your gut, it's really no surprise that the gut microbiome plays a big part in immunity. However, immunity actually begins in the mouth, which is uh, really the headwater to the entire digestive system. So going back in ancient oral microbiomes, uh, many of the same bacteria as we see today could cause systemic disease. In particular, those with the buildup of plaque had poor immune responses to not only oral, but system-wide diseases. A proper immune response is one way your body keeps a handle on normal inflammatory processes. Pathogens in the oral cavity can overflow this delicate balance and create chronic inflammation. And chronic inflammation is bad news bears, as we all know. <laughs> so um, looking beyond uh, just the immune responses that you need for fighting the, the cold or flu, the disruptions in immunity can actually lead to heart disease and autoimmune conditions. It's nice to have that immune response when you start you know, getting the stuffy nose or a head fever or a head cold, but lacking an immune response can actually impact your ability to fight off heart disease and autoimmune conditions. Specifically, the oral microbiome dysbiosis is implicated in rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune condition. But interestingly, 
this study that found that dysbiosis is implicated with RA discovered that some of this dysbiosis can be reversed with good dental hygiene. So there you go again, another feather in the cap of proper, solid dental hygiene. And there's instances of HIV and AIDS that may also be affected by oral microbiome health. There is evidence that biome diversity in the mouth is much different in unmanaged HIV AIDS than in healthy controls. Quickly, let's go on to cardiovascular health. So related to both the gut and immune function, atherosclerosis may also find its roots in oral microbiome problems. This buildup of plaque within the arteries can limit oxygen throughout the body as well as nutrients in the bloodstream. So keep in mind that again, the healthier your gut, the healthier your mouth, you're going to mitigate the buildup of plaque in the arteries, which again plays a detrimental role for your heart getting oxygen. This is a big one, the gut-brain axis. So the gut-brain axis is a well-established part of scientific theory. And I talked about this relatively extensively with Dr. Uma Naidu, who talks about the role of mental health as it relates to food. So she talked a lot about the gut-brain axis, how it's a two-way highway. The brain communicates with your gut, and your gut communicates with your brain. So from depression to Alzheimer's, a healthy gut microbiome is integral to decreasing your risk for diseases of the brain and nervous system. And because the oral microbiome is an extension of this axis, oral health may affect the brain health through its influence on the gut. Just like I talked about a little bit ago, there's the interplay between the three. The gut seems to be the middleman between oral health or your oral cavity and your brain. So if you have negative or poor oral health, leaky mouth, that's going to negatively impact your gut health. And if you have negative gut health, that's going to negatively impact your brain health or your mental health. So that's, that's important to remember. And again, this isn't just a myopic approach. You can't just treat your gut to improve your brain health. Because if you still have poor oral health, well, again, that's going to negatively impact your gut health. You're going to have to reheal your gut. But again, if you're never treating the root cause, which may be oral health, to impact your mental health, then you may never see the improvements you're looking for because you're not treating the root cause, which again, may be oral health. And on the flip side, it may be the other way around. And it could be your, your central nervous system or your brain health that's negatively impacting your gut health. And that negative impact on gut health brings down the health quality of your oral cavity. Just knowing this information alone, it pays massive dividends to really take a three-pronged approach, whether it's trying to heal your oral health, your gut health, or your brain health, because at the end of the day, they're going to impact each other. So you can't just treat oral health for oral health, and you can't just treat gut health for for gut health, because if you still have oral health issues that negatively impact the gut, just healing the gut, you're going to be hamstrung on, on a wheel going round and round until you treat the root cause, which may be uh, the oral health. And on the flip side, could be the, the mental health that's impacting gut health, which in, impacts oral health. But again, that three-pronged approach, if you're tackling all three, you're probably going to have most of your bases covered. So with that being said, let's move on to Alzheimer's disease. And recently, gingival bacteria has earned the public eye as a potential cause of Alzheimer's disease. A groundbreaking study released in early 2019 proposed a, a rare causative link, not just a correlation, between the bacteria most responsible for gum disease and Alzheimer's disease for the brain. For years, researchers have understood that there, there was a connection between these two conditions, but 
not much about how or why this was the case. Furthermore, researchers were able to develop a gingipane inhibitor that, in animal subjects, not only reduced the risk for the disease, but actually reversed the brain infection and rescued neurons in the hippocampus. So the theory behind this connection is that P. gingivalis bacteria can make its way to the spinal cord and then the brain. Once it reaches the brain, it creates compounds called gingipanes that correlate directly with the amount of toxic tau tangles found in the brains of those with Alzheimer's. So just to recap, being able to see that there's these negative bacteria responsible for gum pain may have an impact on Alzheimer's disease in the brain. So again, we're finding a lot of links between specific bacteria that show up in in common diseases, in this case Alzheimer's, but that may be beginning or that may show indications in the mouth. What about anxiety and depression? So a major factor of the gut-brain axis is the way that it influences anxiety and depression. This is thought to begin as early as birth, when the vaginal microbiota is transferred to a new baby during delivery, provided it's not a C-section, which we'll talk about in a moment. Effective depression or anxiety treatment must always include resolution of a dysbiotic gut. Sadly, though, attention to the oral microbiome is often ignored in this process. However, there is a direct correlation between poor dental health, tooth pain, bleeding gums, and anxiety depression. I'm going to repeat that last sentence one more time for emphasis because it is important. There is a direct correlation between poor dental health, tooth pain, bleeding gums, and anxiety depression. So keep that in mind. This podcast was brought to you by the Longev Revive Cream. If you haven't heard of this cream before, go back and listen to the podcast interview with David Horanek, one of the people that helped create this amazing cream. The cream was specifically developed to enhance red light therapy treatment sessions, and not only that, but improve vibrational healing from the frequencies of full spectrum sunlight. The Revive includes special ingredients such as photodynamic amino acids, which helps convert UV light to red light. It increases production of this thing called fibronectin, which is said to be the holy grail of anti-aging. And then there's astaxanthin, which has been shown in clinical studies to increase skin moisture, moisture retention, and elasticity. There's turmeric, which contains an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antimicrobial properties. There's copper peptides, which also has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effects. C60 has high antioxidant power to prevent skin aging, 172 times more than vitamin C. And then there's also geranium rose, shungite, humic acids. And most of these ingredients are organic and they're all high, high quality. So if you want to check this cream out, go to longev.com. That's L-O-N-G-E-V-V.com. Or you can also find it on biolite.shop. That's biolite.shop. Let's move on to the endocrine system. So diseases of the endocrine system may be influenced in part by the oral microbiome. And we'll start with diabetes. As I mentioned earlier, diabetes is one of those uh, quote-unquote mismatched diseases in modern life, where it's tightly related to poor diet and lifestyle factors, such as being sedentary or exposed to household toxins, you know, among a couple of things. However, the risk of diabetes goes up astronomically after the development of periodontitis, which is an, an inflammation in the, in the mouth, which is itself an inflammatory condition directly caused by 
a dysbiotic oral microbiome. People with diabetes have drastically different oral biomes than non-diabetics, and researchers have yet to determine which happens first. Is it dysbiosis of the gut and uh, oral microbiomes, or is it the development of diabetes? Either way, it seems to be a two-way street. Adverse pregnancy outcomes, or APOs, they include problems with pregnancy in birth, including preterm labor, preterm membrane rupture, preeclampsia, miscarriage, intrauterine growth retardation, low birth weight, stillbirth, and neonatal sepsis. And so the oral bacteria most common implicated in these APOs is F. nucleatum. It has been found in placental and fetal tissues after many of the conditions above. So this happens when the bacteria is transferred from the mother through periodontal disease to the placenta and the fetus. Inflammation and dysfunctional immune responses result in potential tissue damage and improper fetal development. P. gingivalis and Bergiella bacteria may also lead to some of these adverse pregnancy outcomes. Researchers hope that by identifying these common pathogens that earlier and more accurate diagnosis or diagnoses will help screen for those at risk. So if they can use tracking or diagnosing a high proportion of these negative bacteria, that they could potentially help the female at risk for uh, passing on some sort of dysbiotic microbiome to their child. So obesity, this is, this is an important one. The causes of obesity are incredibly broad, but one 2009 study may suggest a cause that begins in the oral microbiome. In over 98% of the women with obesity studied, the bacteria Salinomonas noxia, not to be confused with Selena Gomez, but Salinomonas noxia was found in very high levels in saliva compared to the control group. And from this study, we can't determine a cause and effect. For instance, the dietary patterns of many obese people dysregulate the oral microbiome because they're so high in starchy carbohydrates and sugar. With that being said, the fact that so many of the subjects had one particular pathogen in common deserves further research. So, you know, again, while it's not a, a direct causal link, the fact that all these people that were obese, uh, 98% of them, had a common pathogen does make you wonder how much of obesity is caused by or is contributed to by a dysbiotic oral microbiome. Moving on to polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, is an endocrine disorder that affects up to 21% of women of childbearing age and is considered to be one of the most uh, common causes of infertility in the developed world. This condition is intrinsically linked to the quality of the gut microbiome and a high prevalence of Prevotella bacteria in particular is implicated in PCOS. In a 2016 study, the saliva of women with PCOS tested for an overabundance of Prevotella, coming in at higher levels than any other bacteria. So again, uh, being tested, having the preponderance of a certain bacteria, makes you wonder what role does that uh, microbiota of the gut and or oral cavity play. Moving on to a little uh, different type of a health topic is nitric oxide production. In both the mouth and body, nitric oxide 
is a vital nutrient to support the body's natural repair processes. It's involved in systems from the gut to the brain and can improve blood pressure, digestion, cancer risk, chronic inflammation, sleep, endurance, and insulin resistance. When the oral microbiome contains a high number of nitrate-reducing bacteria, well, nitric oxide production decreases. This alone can lead to a cascade of problems throughout the body, including, uh, but not limited to, a high risk of blood pressure and other heart diseases. So it's important to keep your nitric oxide production up, which we know red light therapy does. Moving on to diets. A high sugar diet. It's bad for the gut and mouth. No surprise there. And when it comes to a diet to support the gut and oral microbiomes, the results are clear. Get rid of sugar or get rid of our sugar addiction is, is one of the main uh, uh, keys. A diet high in sugar and other starchy carbohydrates is bad for bacterial health in three ways. And all these three ways shouldn't, you know, um, surprise any of us. Number one, well, it leads to increased inflammation, which has systemic effects, of course. Secondly, and these two are related, in the mouth, frequent sugar intake moves the pH in a mouth to be a more acidic environment. And this acidic environment contributes to the demineralization of teeth. And the reason why I say these two are related in a way is if you've listened to my other podcasts, specifically um, the ones on mitochondria, I believe, we talk about that you want as many free electrons in your body as possible. Because the more electrons you have, the less inflammation you can have. Um, they're inhibitory to each other. If you have a lot of inflammation, well, that's going to mean a lot of protons and very few electrons. But if you don't have a lot of systemic inflammation, well, that means your body has fewer protons and much more electrons. Same with an acidic environment. The more acidic it is, the more protons you have and not enough electrons. So ways to get free electrons, well, that's grounding. That's getting full-spectrum sunlight and or proper healthy light, such as red light therapy. Eating food that has easy water, such as chia seeds and cucumber, are good ways. Drinking easy water or exclusive zone water has a lot of electrons. So there's a lot of easy ways to start introducing a lot of electrons into your body, which in the long run is going to help you modulate your inflammation so you're not having systemic inflammation, which is going to disallow an acidic environment, which is a very good thing for your health and wellness. Anyway, the third thing as to why high sugar diets are bad is plaque buildup. And plaque buildup from carbohydrate-rich diets contributes to dysbiosis in the oral microbiome, which contributes to problems from cavities to heart disease. So poor oral hygiene, high sugar intake, and low salivary flow all change the pH in the mouth. And this selects for certain bacteria that like acidic conditions and make acid, which further lowers the pH and can contribute to tooth decay. So if you provide your mouth with an acidic environment, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're going to invite those bacteria, which also produce acid, which is going to make it more acidic, and so on and so forth. So it behooves us all to not allow our, our mouths or the environment of our body to get acidic because it's going to be a snowball effect that's going to lead to that rampant systemic inflammation, which leads to a myriad of health diseases and cancers. But diet is typically the most important uh, one on the list as far as how to mitigate this uh, poor environment in the mouth. But oral hygiene habits are, you know, usually more discussed. 
the paleo people, you know, they didn't need dental cleanings or probiotic supplements, but the modern man does, given, you know, uh, how different our lifestyles are with, with technology. We're not out in the sun as much. We're not grounding to the earth. Uh, high stress lives, sleep, circadian rhythm, mismatches. So it's a completely different life we live compared to the, the quote unquote paleo people. But still, this all roots back to the fact that the paleocentric diet is, you know, it's high in vegetables, non farmed animal proteins, healthy fats, limited carbohydrates, and fruits. So the paleo people didn't give their oral microbiome a chance to get acidic just by their natural uh, lifestyle and, and diet habits. So oral thrush is, is another sugar-related symptom of a systemic issue with sugar. In the gut as well as the oral cavity, candida overgrowth is best treated with a multi-system approach that always includes cutting out sugar and includes other treatments like glutamine rinse, chewable CoQ10, and vitamins and minerals to promote immune function. And we'll wrap up this section on oral health by ending on a kind of different note, and it involves pregnancy, birth, and the microbiota. When really deciding or trying to figure out where you stand with your oral microbiome, one of the first set of questions you really need to ask yourself has to do with your birth and infancy. So you want to know two things. One, were you delivered vaginally or via C-section? And then two, if you were breastfed as an infant? And so these questions matter because your microbiome's diversity begin with the preconception and continue for your entire life. The health of bacterial ratios within the body begins transferring to a developing fetus during early pregnancy. And during vaginal delivery, the microbiomes are transferred to the infant. And a 2011 study shows this specifically impacts the diversity of the oral microbiome as well as others, including your gut. While C-section is necessary in some cases and can be a great thing for risky deliveries, missing out on the, the biome is also a big deal. It's known to contribute to the risk for gut and overall health issues, including celiac disease, asthma, type 1 diabetes, and obesity. That's why a vaginal microbial transfer, which is a newer method of restoring microbiota to cesarean-born infants, has been proposed as a helpful solution to mitigate or reverse the negative damage of not getting that natural microbial bath through the vaginal birthing process. And breastfeeding also plays into the development of the oral microbiome. During breastfeeding, the mother's microbiota is again supporting the development of the infant's oral and gut microbiomes. So while not every mom is able to or even chooses to breastfeed, still the answers to those two questions that we just talked about, was it a vaginal birth or cesarean, and were you breastfed, that has massive implications for both your oral and gut microbiomes, both in the short term when you're a baby, but also lifelong. So it's good to know that and have a baseline for, for where you stand relative to your oral health. So now let's move into some photobiomodulation research as it relates to oral health. We're not going to get into the nitty gritty of every research article because I have a lot of research I want to throw your way. and. In the podcast description show notes, we'll link to all of these articles so you can go and look at them. If you want to read the abstracts or just dig a little deeper into how these pieces of research were carried out. So this first one was from August 2020, talking about photobiomodulation and oral mucositis. It's a systematic review. And the conclusion was, taking into consideration the extended supportive evidence base 
Photobiomodulation for oral mucositis is a safe and effective measure to mitigate oral mucositis associated with chemotherapy and heart and neck radiation therapy. Also, preconditioning and concurrent prophylactic therapy are optimal in results. The coverage by a larger beam area of the tissues is supported. Another research article from 2020, which is the evaluation of the effects of photobiomodulation therapy and ozone applications after gingivectomy and uh, gingivoplasty on postoperative pain and patients' oral health-related quality of life. The results were that on the visual analog scale, the VAS level of the control group was higher than the PBM group, and higher means you're in more pain. And so again, the control group was higher than the PBM or the photobiomodulation group on the third day, and both ozone and photobiomodulation on the seventh day. Both were statistically significant. So that means both on the third day and the seventh day, the control group that had no um, ozone or photobiomodulation was in higher pain. And the conclusion of the study was that photobiomodulation and ozone applications after gingivectomy improve the quality of life of patients. Another research article, this one from 2020 as well, is titled Patient Reported Outcomes of Laser Assisted Pain Control Following Non Surgical and Surgical Periodontal Therapy, a Systematic Review and Meta Analysis. And so the conclusion of this systematic review and meta analysis was that. The meta-analysis and systematic review suggests that the use of photobiomodulation as an alternative to conventional instrumentation can significantly control post-operative pain uh, more effectively compared to conventional periodontal treatment, and intraoperative or post-operative photobiomodulation combined with surgical periodontal therapy can significantly suppress pain. Again, a systematic review and uh, a meta-analysis looks over all of the high-quality research of a given topic. And so they're finding that um, both during and or after surgery using red light therapy combined with a surgical periodontal therapy can significantly suppress the pain. Another article, this one from 2021, which is titled The Effect of Low Laser Therapy as an Adjunct to Periodontal Surgery in the Management of Postoperative Pain and Wound Healing a systematic review and meta-analysis. So here's another one, but a shorter conclusion. The conclusion is that photobiomodulation used as an adjunct to periodontal surgery reduced pain and analgesic intake in the early post-surgery period. So again, another uh, feather in the cap for red light therapy reducing pain post-surgically for oral surgery. Another one from 2021, hot off the press. This one's titled... Role of Photobiomodulation Therapy in Modulating Oxidative Stress in Temporomandibular Disorders. And so TMD or TMJ uh, is dealing with our jaw disorders. And this is also a systematic review and meta-analysis of human randomized controlled trials. And RCTs are considered, randomized controlled trials are considered the gold standard for research. So the results were that this review shows that Photobiomodulation effectively relieves pain assessment by a visual analog scale and improves functional outcomes in patients with TMD at the short-term follow-up. And the results of this meta-analysis show that in terms of reducing pain intensity and improvement in mouth opening, photobiomodulation shows statistically significant superior results 
in comparison to the control intervention groups. Again, the control intervention groups don't do anything different or nothing added. And the conclusion of this study was that the majority of the available evidence suggests that photobiomodulation of laser or LEDs or combined treatment modalities have fundamental and substantial effects on improving TMD chronic pain, both functionality and quality of life. So that's pretty darn powerful. The power of light reduces pain, improves quality of life, and the functionality of those dealing with temporomandibular disorders. Looking at another one from 2019, and this one is a systematic review of photobiomodulation for the management of oral mucositis in cancer patients and clinical practice guidelines. The results were that while there was no evidence for intraoral photobiomodulation for the prevention of oral mucositis in cancer patients treated with chemotherapy, there was efficacy of intraoral photobiomodulation at a wavelength of 633 for the prevention of oral mucitis and related pain in cancer patients treated with radiotherapy versus chemotherapy to the head and neck was reported in several studies. So the difference between these two is that there's no evidence for the prevention of oral mucositis in cancer patients treated with chemotherapy, but there is with those treated with radiotherapy to the head or neck. Also, there was efficacy of intraoral photobiomodulation at wavelengths of 633 and 660 for the prevention of oral mucositis and related pain in head and neck cancer patients treated by radiation therapy with chemotherapy. And this was reported in several randomized controlled trials. So if you're a cancer patient with oral mucositis and you're only being treated by chemotherapy, there's no evidence that intraoral photobiomodulation can help with that or prevent. But in both those patients being treated with radiotherapy or a combination of radiation therapy alone or radiation therapy in combination with chemotherapy, then photobiomodulation at 633 and 660 can be used for the prevention of oral mucositis. So the conclusion was, in summary, we conducted a systematic review and developed evidence-based clinical guidelines for photobiomodulation for specific cancer populations. If you're just being treated by chemotherapy, it doesn't seem to help. It's when radiation therapy is introduced that red light therapy or photobiomodulation seems to have a positive effect. And so these next six pieces of research, I'm just going to read to you the highlights of the research. So this is going to be kind of a quick and dirty roundup of some research. And then we'll move on to uh, this innovative way that you can utilize red light therapy to, to promote oral health. One research article compared low-level laser and fluoride therapy and observed complete resolution of pain was achieved by almost 87% of the laser-treated group compared to the 27% of the control group with topical fluoride treatment. So it seems that the laser group had almost a three times better treatment result than those that were just used uh, topical fluoride. Researchers have shown that the use of the diode lasers at wavelengths in the visible and near-infrared regions may lead to an increase in the resistance of teeth against demineralization or enamel erosion. And so this harkens back to when we talked about systemic inflammatory conditions and highly acidic environments. If we can introduce electrons, if we can reduce inflammation via electrons, that means we're going to have a more alkaline state or more alkalinity, which is going to reduce acid. So if that's possible, it makes sense that 
red and near-infrared, which reduces inflammation, we know that, it can potentially resist the teeth against demineralization. So that's a pretty powerful piece of research. Here's a third one. Based on the findings of the present study, it can be concluded that low-level laser therapy is an effective modality for the treatment of canker sores. So not only does LLLT reduce the healing time, it also provides immediate relief. And we see that across the board with so many conditions. Not only does it accelerate or improve the healing time, but it also provides that pain relief. And that's because most pain is due to inflammation and or poor circulation. And red light therapy improves circulation and drives down inflammation. So across the board, it makes sense that it's going to help with the healing process and drive down pain. The fourth piece here, LLLT can speed up the rate of tooth movement of human canine and consequently decrease the treatment time. So LLLT represents a proper adjuvant therapy for fixed orthodontic treatment. So just another, another way that LLLT can help or photobiomodulation or red light therapy can help, um, just in a different capacity though with oral health. Number five out of six. This study suggests that RLT with LED lights provides a significant further reduction in colony forming units, CFU counts, after irrigation with sodium hypochlorite and can serve as an effective method in reducing the bacterial load with the root canal system. Lastly, LLLT had an inhibitory effect on typical oral microbial biofilms, and this capacity can be altered according to the interactions between different species. And biofilms are caused by types of bacteria and biofilms that prefer acidic conditions. So once again, reduce the acidity or increase the alkalinity, and you're going to mitigate these biofilms, which attract the bacteria that like acidic conditions. And as we learned from prior research, an acidic environment is going to bring bacteria that produces acid, which makes it more acidic. And so once again, if you're able to increase the alkalinity, you can break that cycle and your body's going to properly heal and return to homeostasis. That's kind of a little quick path down the photobiomodulation research as it relates to oral health. You can see that it helps with an array of health maladies or, or surgeries, whether it's accelerating healing time, reducing pain, reducing the negative bacterial count even demineralization. So there's a lot of different uses, and this doesn't even really account for all the different ways that red light therapy can help with oral health, but it does show the strongest research, at least to date. This brings us to the newest, most innovative way, without having to go to a doctor or a dentist, a way to utilize red light therapy to improve or help kind of nudge your oral health in the correct direction. And that is by BioLite's newest product called The Guardian. Just like the name kind of implies, it is a mouth guard of sorts that goes in your mouth. And this mouthpiece includes both specific spectra of red and near-infrared that have been shown to be most efficacious in oral health. Slightly different than those that you see in panels. Instead of 660 and 850, it's 630 nanometers for red and then 850 again for uh, near-infrared. But the BioLite Guardian, which is the first red light therapy oral care device of its kind, and it has patent-pending technologies that implements these dual LEDs, giving you both red and near-infrared. So you get the healing power of both the superficial tissues, namely the teeth and the gum, 
but then also more deep where the bone and some of the circulatory properties are. And we've already gone over why oral health is so important. And we've gone over why oral health can be positively impacted by red light therapy. And, and just to give a quick recap, we know that the scientific literature on red light therapy and oral health is very robust, indicating a multitude of uses that includes the following, gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, post-surgical healing and recovery, periodontal wound healing, gingivitis, cold sores and herpes, oral mucositis, and much, much more like you heard about earlier with the research. So not only can red light therapy help you heal and recover from the aforementioned conditions, but it may also help you maintain optimal oral hygiene. And as you've learned about in this podcast, not only is it going to help your oral hygiene or oral health, it's going to have systemic effects that you won't even know, but the positive effects and the downstream effects from a healthy oral cavity has been thoroughly discussed in this podcast. And I think you've all gotten a better idea of just how impactful your oral cavity and your oral health is. So if you can use something as simple as light, as simple as red light therapy, and you don't even have to use it daily because just like using a panel, there's that biphasic dose response where more is not better. So simply by using a device like the Guardian several times a week, if that can move the needle and optimize your oral health, that's pretty darn cool. Non-invasive, safe, no negative side effects. So it's very low risk, high reward for your health uh, short-term and long-term. And so just like we know with panels, red light therapy can help maintain optimal oral health by modulating the inflammation, improving circulation, and of course, boosting the health and function of the mitochondria. So the Guardian utilizes a 630 nanometer for red, 850 nanometer for near-infrared, and the light irradiance is 11. And if you're familiar with light irradiance, our panels at BioLite are closer to 150. So they're intentionally low with the Guardian because you don't want to overdose, quote-unquote overdose, with too high of a light irradiance, especially with the gums. The gums are our more sensitive tissue, so you want to make sure it's lower and slower. So that's why the light irradiance is 11 milliwatts per centimeter squared. Importantly, whereas on the panels, the focusing lens beam is 30 to keep the light a little more concentrated, in the Guardian, the focusing lens beam angle is 120. And that's because when you have the mouth guard in your mouth, the Guardian in your mouth, it's going to be really close to your teeth. So you want an angle that's going to spread the light quickly so it can get the top of your gums, the bottom of your gums, and it can cover uh, most of your oral cavity when you have it in your mouth. The Guardian has an automated 16-minute timer based on the light irradiance and how many joules you want to absorb to have a positive impact on your oral health. And the Guardian has a cool magnetic USB charging technology. And a full charge is going to last you about 10 treatments. And if you're doing anywhere from let's say three to five treatments um, a week, then a full charge is going to last you two to three weeks. So you don't have to spend a lot of time charging this device. And it's waterproof, comes with a soft shell protection case, and of course, the high quality customer service that comes with BioLite. So that's the newest piece of technology in red light therapy. The pre-orders were just announced this past weekend of when this podcast was released. So you can go and pre-order yours today. Even in this first weekend, they have been absolutely flying off the shelf. Again, it's a pre-order, but they will ship out by August. And so you can go to biolite.shop, look at the Guardian, check it out for yourself, and kind of understand the implications the oral health has for your systemic health. It is one of the better investments that you can make for your overall health, especially with the knowledge that we've learned today. 
and it's the most affordable BioLite device. So if you're going to pick one to have the most effect for you systemically, you could argue that the Guardian would be the one. So go check it out on www.biolite.shop. That's the Guardian. Get one for yourself. Get one for your significant other. And people have even been buying them for your dogs, which totally makes sense and is totally legitimate, just like red light therapy can help with canines. If you want to learn more about red light therapy and pet health, go to biolite.shop and check out our learn page on pet health, how it can help dogs and cats and horses. So by that nature, as long as you have an animal that will cooperate with you, that unlike my German Shepherd puppy, who's full of energy, he's not going to sit, <laughs> sit with a mouthpiece in his, his mouth for too long. But if you have a pet or an animal that's more amicable and laid back and they wouldn't mind having a, a mouthpiece in their mouth for 8 to 16 minutes, then by all means, it should improve and help improve their oral health and their gum health and whatnot. So you can definitely also use red light therapy for your pets. But again, go check out The Guardian, www.biolite.shop. And for a listener and our listeners and audience at The Red Light Report, we're going to give you an exclusive 10% discount code. Right now, there's no other way to get a discount on The Guardian. People are paying full price. But if you're a Red Light Report listener, you're going to get a 10% discount code through the pre-order. So through July, you can get 10% off. Use coupon code REDLIGHTREPORT. That's going to get you 10% off your pre-order of The Guardian. So I know this has been a lot of information thrown at you this episode, but I did want to provide you all with a well-rounded perspective on oral health and its impact on your entire body systemically. You know that oral health doesn't just matter for your oral health's sake, but it has an impact on your gut health, your brain health, your immunity, your endocrine system, and otherwise. Hopefully you're walking away from this podcast episode with the better knowledge and you know, you're weaponized with some excitement that you can do a lot for your overall health just by taking care of your mouth. You know, secondly, hopefully learning about the research, the photobiomodulation research, uh, it gives you some confidence to know that you can utilize red light therapy for various conditions, whether it's just to prophylactically to improve your mouth and you know, modulate the inflammation, keep your mitochondria happy, or you're using it pre and post surgery so you can accelerate the healing times and have a better uh, success with your surgery, or you're uh, mitigating or reversing or fighting off some sort of health condition, there's likely a place or a likely a role for red light therapy. And lastly, now you know that there's a piece of technology out there, the Guardian, that can help, whether again, it's prophylactically, but you can use this piece of red light therapy technology from the comfort of your home at your own convenience. It's low risk, very, very high reward for your short-term, long-term health. And as far as a financial investment, there really couldn't be a better one now that we know just how important oral health is for our entire health. So this has been a long one, but again, I hope it's been useful. I'll be doing more of these solo sodes where I concentrate on one specific health topic and how red light therapy can potentially help with it. Uh, if you have any suggestions or want a particular topic, feel free to email us, info at biolite.shop. Reach out to us on Instagram, also biolite.shop, because of course one of our main missions here at Biolite is to educate and provide information to the masses about how red light therapy can improve their health, wellness, and longevity. So let's put this episode to bed. This is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off. I hope you have a fabulous week and or weekend. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, 
Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolite. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.